The first one is Mark 8, 22 to 25. And then we have 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12. The healing of a blind man at Bethsaida. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he spat on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, Don't go into the village. And then 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12. Now we see, but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. This is the word of the Lord. So as James said, we're doing this sermon series on sensing the gospel. Last week was about touch, and tonight is about sight. I am probably one of the most short-sighted people that you will ever meet. For as long as I can remember, everything looks blurry and out of focus, unless I am wearing tailor-made glasses or contact lenses. I'm wearing lenses tonight, in case you're wondering. (laughs) For many of us, it's the same when we try to see Jesus. Without the help of spiritual glasses or contact lenses, he might look blurry or out of focus. And this is one of the reasons why the Bible often uses sight as a metaphor for faith. When we look at Jesus through eyes of faith, our faith acts like glasses or contact lenses to correct our vision so that we see him clearly. Now, in this passage that Diane has just read to us in Mark 8, it's clear, the context for this story, is that the disciples need to learn this lesson about how to see Jesus clearly. They have just watched Jesus feed 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread and a few small fish. It's been a miracle of epic proportions, but they are failing to see who he is. In verse 17, and if you've got your Bibles, please can you keep them open, or in the pew, it's page 1012. In verse 17 of Mark 8, Jesus says to his disciples, Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And then in verse 21, he says, do you still not understand? And it's in that context that we then get this story about the blind man. It's clear that those answers to Jesus' questions are all yes. The disciples do not understand. They have eyes, but are failing to see who Jesus is. They have yet to realize that he is the Son of God, the promised Messiah. What they need are spiritual glasses or contact lenses. 
And it's in this context that we find this story. I asked earlier for three volunteers. I'd be grateful if they could come up, Sarah, Holly, and Gareth, because I'm going to use a little illustration to try and explain this. We try to understand who Jesus is, but we don't always see him clearly. So my lovely three-year-old niece called Abigail has lent me one of her toy elephants. Do you want to come up? So Sarah here and maybe Holly here and Gareth here. Is that okay? I'm going to hold up this elephant and I'm going to speak into the um, microphone for the benefit of the recording as to what you can see. So Holly, what can you see of this elephant? One ear, two legs and a tail. One ear, two legs and a tail. Sarah, what can you see? I can see two ears, two little black eyes, and a long grey trunk. Okay. And two legs. And two legs, okay. And Gareth, what can you see? See your hand. <laughs> you can see a tail and two legs there. And a bottom. And a bottom, yeah. <laughs> yeah, gray. okay. I don't know what colour it is. I don't know what colour it is. It's kind of bluey grey. The grape, thank you, that's great. <laughs> you go back down. The reason I've done that, I could have described it, but I thought it's more powerful to actually get them to do it. And bless my niece for loaning me her bedtime toy. I'm hoping that my brother and sister-in-law are able to put her to sleep tonight. Um, This elephant is an illustration that we all need each other because none of us has the full picture. When we look at Jesus, we are greatly influenced by our culture, by our context, by our nationality, by our worldview. In this slide, there are many images of Jesus that I have picked from all over the world. And it depends on the place that we are coming from as to our perspective of how we see him. If we're from Haiti in the Caribbean, we're going to see Jesus through a Haitian lens. If we're from Sri Lanka, we're going to see him through a Sri Lankan lens. If we're from Japan, we're going to see him through a Japanese lens. And as Western white Europeans, most of us in this room, we would see him through a white Western European lens. The reality is and was that Jesus was a Middle Eastern Jew. He didn't have white skin, he had Middle Eastern skin. But the way we see him is affected by where we're standing when we're looking at him. Bear that in mind as I carry on through. Looking at this passage, I would like to say there are three things that we can learn about how we can see Jesus more clearly. The first thing we need is persuasive friends. Verse 22 of Mark 8 says, They, meaning Jesus and the disciples, came to Bethsaida. And some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. The blind man in this story would have been helpless, weak, and vulnerable. His disability would have been a hindrance and would have made him an outcast in his society. He would have been lonely because he was living in a world of complete darkness because of his blindness. Yet there are some people who the commentaries suggest are his friends and family who care enough about this man to bring him to Jesus. They've probably heard the stories about Jesus' healing miracles, including potentially stories about him giving sight to other blind people. And so they persuade their friend to join them. When they find Jesus, they beg Jesus to touch him. You've got to remember that this man is blind, so the sense of touch is actually incredibly important to him. It's making up for his inability to see. If you think about how people who've got visual impairments read Braille through touch, 
it's the same principle. His friends know this, and so they plead with Jesus to reach him at his point of need. And so often when people share testimony at baptism and confirmation services or at other times about how they first came to faith, for many people it's because a friend persuaded them to come to church or Alpha or Christian Union or New Wine or a house party or somewhere else significant and they introduced that friend to Jesus. Persuasive friends have powerful impact. Persuasive friends have powerful impact. For myself as a teenager, I used to attend a Cypher, Church Youth Fellowships Association house party. And as a student, I used to lead on that same house party. And one leader's training weekend, we had the well-known evangelist J. John who came and spoke to us. And I always remember him sharing how he had only become a Christian because his school friend, Kim Economides, had invited him along to that Cypher house party. The following year, he and Kim had invited more friends from school. And each year through their teenage years, that number of people who kept meeting Jesus grew. And look at how many people have come to faith through J. John, because one friend invited him to that house party. Maybe you are like the blind man's friends. Maybe you have experienced the difference that Jesus can make. Maybe you've met him and you long for your friends to come to know him. If that's you, which of your friends comes to mind? Who could you persuade to come and meet Jesus? Why don't you invite them along to church? So, if we're going to see Jesus clearly, the first thing we need is persuasive friends, but that's not all. The second thing we need is a personal touch from Jesus. Verse 23 in this passage says, He, Jesus, took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. Then he spat on the man's eyes and he put his hands on him. This blind man is touched by Jesus in three ways. Jesus takes his hand, Jesus spits on him, and Jesus puts his hands on him. All of those touches are intimate and personal. The friends who have pleaded with Jesus to touch their friend must have been delighted. So the first touch comes when Jesus takes that blind man's hand and leads him outside the village. The man would have been hugely vulnerable at that point, and yet he completely trusts Jesus and put his hands, puts his hand in his. What's unusual here is that Jesus does not heal him on the spot, and commentators suggest there are two reasons for this. Firstly, in Matthew 11, we've read that Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles have been performed, performed because they didn't repent. And included within that, he says, Woe to you, Bethsaida. So it might be that Jesus leads the blind man away from Bethsaida because it's a place of sinfulness and and unrepentance. But the other reason may simply be that he wanted to remove the man from the gaze of the crowd. Jesus is not about to put on a show for the benefit of the curious onlookers and hecklers. If you imagine what that blind man must have felt like, he would have been able to hear them but not see them. It must have been terrifying. Instead, like any good doctor, Jesus' desire is to help this man personally, individually, and in private. 
And it's often the same for us. It's often when we're away from the ordinary humdrum of life. Maybe we're on Alpha, or we're on a retreat, or we're at a house party, or a camp, or New Wine, or Spring Harvest, or another conference. And it's in that environment that we find it easier to let Jesus meet with us, personally, individually, and in private. So once Jesus has the man outside the village, the second and the third touches come. The first is that he spits on the man's eyes and then that he lays his hands on him. Now I looked this up and in some societies societies today, it is an absolute insult for someone else to spit in your face. For example, in Singapore, if you spit in public, let alone in someone's face, you would land a fine of $1,000. But in this story, Jesus isn't insulting this blind man. What he's doing is he's taking something ordinary and mundane and actually quite repulsive, and he's using it for miraculous purposes. In 1 Corinthians 1, Paul tells us, God chooses the foolish things, the weak things, the lowly things, and the despised things of this world so that nobody can boast. And Jesus has used his spittle because he doesn't want the glory to focus on the means of the miracle. He wants the glory to go to God. And he's also challenging society's preconceptions about this man because he must have been standing close enough for his saliva to land on sightless eyes. That is intimate contact with someone who is an outcast. Maybe you're like that blind man. Maybe you need, tonight, a personal touch from Jesus for the very first time. Or maybe you have been touched by Jesus in the past and you are longing for a fresh touch of Jesus again. If that's you, can I encourage you to put your hands in his and let him lead you away from the distractions of all that's going on in your life right now. Find a private place and simply ask him to come and to draw close to you and to give you a fresh sense of his love for you. And if it would help to pray with someone after the service about that, please come forward for prayer ministry. So continuing, if we're going to see Jesus clearly, the first thing we need is persuasive friends. The second thing we need is a personal touch from Jesus, but that's not all, because we also need to be persistent in prayer. Verses 24 to 25 say this. Jesus asked the blind man, Do you see anything? And he, the blind man, looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. So initially, this man obtains some sense of light. He makes out the shapes of people, but they look like walking trees. He can't make out their faces or their hands or their feet, just some movements. It's better than seeing nothing, but it's far from good eyesight. So Jesus touches him again, and then his vision is fully restored. Now, in all the gospel records, 
This is the only miracle that Jesus performs which is not immediate. So my initial question when I was preparing is like, why? Why did it not happen straight away? It certainly is not true that Jesus didn't or couldn't get it right first time and had to try again. I mean, he had brought dead bodies back to life, so fixing a pair of eyes was kind of minor surgery. He also didn't insist on cooperation before he healed anyone. He didn't say, I need 100% faith from you before you can get this miracle. There's absolutely nothing like that. There's no hint of blame attached to this man. There's nothing that suggests he hadn't believed enough. Far from it. It might be purely practical, because the cure of a blind man who is totally, utterly blind lends itself to a gradual cure. Because if you go from pitch black darkness into the full light of day in an instant, it would be hugely overwhelming and painful on your optic nerves. So maybe actually it was quite sensible to do it gradually. But that isn't the case in all the other stories of Jesus giving sight back to blind people. So why did he do it in two stages here? I'd like to suggest that in some ways we should be encouraged. If miracles are not always instantaneous with Jesus, then we should feel affirmed that that doesn't always happen with us too. And many of us have been praying for healing and release for maybe ourselves or for loved ones, sometimes for a long time. And surely if Jesus had to persist in pushing through for that miracle, so do we. A few years ago, I was at New Wine. And I was having dinner with some old friends who go to a church in Exeter. And next to their tent was a caravan. And at the foot of the caravan steps was a white stick that had been broken in half, the kind that is used by visually impaired people. And my friends were quick to explain to me when I asked them about it how the previous day a blind lady who was the occupier of that caravan had been miraculously given her sight back in a field in Somerset. Like the blind man in our story, the blind lady from Exeter had been persuaded to come to New Wine by a friend. Together they had attended a healing seminar, and at the end, the blind lady's friend had prayed for her in the name of Jesus. Initially, she had sensed some light, and then in incremental stages, she had seen blurry images before gaining increasing clarity of vision, and then her sight was fully restored. That friend had been persistent in praying for her throughout the end of that seminar until the miracle happened. The now formerly blind lady had been utterly amazed. She'd come back to the site where her church were camping and she'd said to them, please speak to me, because she didn't know who they were. She knew them by their voices. She didn't know them by their faces. And she had broken her white stick in two, and she had declared that she would no longer, need, no longer need to apply for a guide dog. Now, my friends subsequently told me that she'd gone to her optician when she returned home, and he had said to her she had so much scar tissue at the back of her eyes that she should still have been legally blind. Yet she clearly had 20-20 vision. And the optician had no explanation for it. It was little wonder that my friends and everyone else in that church could not stop talking about that miracle that summer. There is something about the power of a persuasive friend taking you to a place where you can have a personal touch from Jesus and then persisting in prayer until breakthrough comes. 
So returning to the blind man in our story, yes, it in part is to encourage us to be persistent in prayer, but I'd like to suggest there's another reason why Jesus heals him in two stages. It's because of the watching disciples. So if you remember right at the beginning, I said that the disciples were seeing but not perceiving and not understanding. And the reason this miracle comes where it does is because it is designed to help them see. The man in front of them is physically blind, and Jesus is showing them they are spiritually blind. Through healing this blind man, he is giving them a picture of themselves. There's a Canadian author called David Fedders, and he says this, which I found quite helpful. This miracle happened at a point in Jesus' ministry where many people who had been blind to God were starting to catch glimpses. But they still didn't see clearly that Jesus was God. Even after all his miracles, no one, not even his closest friends, could clearly see who Jesus was or why he had come. And then this blind man is brought to him. Jesus intended to heal him, but he also wanted to dramatize the spiritual condition of the people around him. So he touches the man and asks him what he sees, and then he touches him again, and everything comes clear. So in that passage, if you read on, in verses 27 and 29, we discover what it means to go from blurred vision to clear sight in a spiritual sense. And Jesus asks his disciples, who do people say I am? And they reply, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asks them. Who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ. At last, at last, one of the disciples is beginning to see what nobody else has yet seen. Peter believes in his heart and confesses with his lips that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. It's the first time. So the miracle of this two-stage healing from blindness to partial sight to full sight, it's restored physical vision for the blind man, but it's restored spiritual vision for Peter and the disciples. Neither of them achieve this through their own means. It's God who graciously gives this blind man 20-20 vision. And it's God who gives Peter the grace to see who Jesus is. Both of them now have vision, one physical, one spiritual. The famous deaf-blind woman and 20th century author Helen Keller once said, It is a terrible thing not to be able to see, but it is even more terrible to be able to see and have no vision. These disciples now have vision. They understand who Jesus is. Maybe you are like the disciples. Maybe you are drawn to church and you're drawn to spiritual things, but you haven't yet fully understood who Jesus is. If that's you, the Bible tells us that you need to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Son of God and you need to call on his name to be saved. So as I begin to draw to a close, let me return to the beginning. Remember the elephant. In the same way as my three volunteers, Sarah and Holly and Gareth, saw the elephant from slightly different perspectives, 
all of us, not just in this building, but all who are Christians around the world, are looking at Jesus from slightly different perspectives. And therefore, we need each other, and we need each other's perspectives. We need to spur each other on to share our faith stories so that our understanding increases, so that our faith is spurred on, so that our vision becomes more focused. How then can we see Jesus more clearly? Firstly, we need persuasive friends. Are you somebody who can draw alongside people and introduce them to Jesus? Secondly, we need a personal touch from Jesus. Are you someone who needs a new or fresh touch that's personal, that's intimate to you? And thirdly, we need to be persistent in prayer and push through for breakthrough in situations that seem stuck. And we need to open our eyes by faith to see and understand that Jesus is the Son of God. If any of this resonates, there will be people available to pray at the end. For now, let me just close in prayer. Father God, I thank you for this story and where it's been placed in this Gospel of Mark. And I ask that you would help us to be persuasive friends who draw alongside those we know and love and have courage to introduce them to Jesus. Please touch us afresh in Jesus' name with the power of the Holy Spirit in ways that are personal to us. Help us to push through in prayer for situations that seem stuck, where miracles and healings are needed. And open our eyes, Lord, to see you, Jesus, and to understand who you are and why you came. Help us see you more clearly. Amen.